welcome to the City Health Podcast. I'm your host, Alex McBride, Manager of Communications and Public Affairs here at City Health, and I'm joined by my co-host. Hi, I'm Laura Bouchard, and I also work here. So I know that City Health has been a little absent on the podcast front for a little while. Uh, we are planning to launch a more formal podcast series in the near future. The name is still uh, yet to be determined. But for today, we're going to talk about a recent report that we just released titled, Not Just for Kids, How to Improve Adult Vaccination Uptake in Canada. It addresses the lackluster state of adult vaccination in the country. Across Canada, vaccination rates for preventable diseases like influenza, pertussis, and pneumonia are well below Canada's national immunization uptake targets of around 80%. Having better and more regular uptake vaccines can improve health outcomes for Canadian adults while offsetting some of the economic and health challenges of our aging society. So to talk more about the risks of having an under-vaccinated adult population in Canada and what can be done about it, we are joined by the Institute's Rosalie Wyanch, who is a policy analyst and head of the Health Policy Council at the Institute. Rosalie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, why don't we start off with what the current state of adult vaccination is in Canada and why we should be so alarmed with the findings of this report? Well, I don't necessarily want to sound off the alarm, but when we have a goal of having about an 80% coverage rate, and all adults in Canada, we've got coverage for influenza at 40.3%. And our coverage for tetanus and pertussis for adults is below that of what we achieve for children. So I don't necessarily want to sound the alarm, but I will say that we're actually doing worse for adults than we're doing for kids. And with an aging population, influenza really could potentially uh, cause serious harms and costs to our overall healthcare system. So should we be pointing the finger at anti-vaxxers here? Not necessarily, though they definitely don't help. Uh, really what we see as the reasons for people not getting vaccinated are complacency and then following on from that confidence and convenience. So really complacency just stems from a person not necessarily not being necessarily fully aware about what the risks of a vaccine risks and benefits of a vaccination are and also they may they're likely to underestimate how likely they are to get sick and then they're also likely to underestimate how bad it will be and what kind of harm it may cause them if they do get sick so really it's it's we're a victim of our own success here where uh the more we eliminate these vaccine preventable diseases, the less harmful people think they are. And so the more complacent that they can become. And to add on to that, if people don't are, know it's something they should do, but don't necessarily think it's something they need, then if it's not convenient for them or they aren't confident that the vaccine actually does work, then that can further affect our ability to, you know, actually get people to go and do what is good for them. So this podcast coincides with also a, a paper we've, we've released on vaccination. And one of the findings I found most interesting was that for the flu vaccine, vaccine in particular, healthcare workers uh, who work with the elderly were not actually getting their vaccinations taken. Can you speak to that and why that might be happening? Well, there's a couple of reasons that that could be happening, but I'll just start with Healthcare workers across Canada have a coverage rate of about 70% when our goal is 80. And for those that have close contact with residents or patients, uh, 
it's about 76%, but still not as high as the 80 we would like. And, you know, really, we can't expect adults in the general public to be on top of their vaccines if their doctors and healthcare workers aren't. So that's definitely a priority is improving the coverage in primary healthcare workers. And especially because uh, those that have close contact with residents may be putting their, their patients at risk by not being vaccinated. I think I believe that that should be mandatory or mask mandatory or mask. If you're not vaccinated, then you shouldn't be able to, I guess, yeah. expose your expose your patients to that potential harm. They introduced a similar or similar provision, like I guess actually mask or what's it called mask or vaccine in BC. Uh, and it was actually challenged by I think the nursing union. They thought that it was coercive. And I want to use that to sort of segue into uh, the idea of choice architecture or um, making sure that the default for people leads to a better health result. So right now, even if we increase the amount of availability of the vaccine, the default is to not get your vaccine because you have to go and seek it out. Whereas for children, parents have to uh, voluntarily choose to have their children not get the vaccine for that to occur. Um, is there a way of doing this for adults or nurses? Well, I think that the uh, the way that the policies that basically say either vaccinate or mask are an opt out. You can choose not to be vaccinated if you would like, but it's not a personal choice when it's part of your profession and part of uh, it could potentially do harm to your patients. And uh, so for adults in general, you know, we we have things where in schools, the parents have to opt out if they don't want their children to be vaccinated. And that does make them aware of it. We could do something similar at entrance to university where, you know, you need a full immunization schedule to be admitted. Um, and that's that's something that is common practice at medical school, but could be expanded to post-secondary generally, because at least that way, when uh, beginning your adult life, then people would be aware of what they have, what they don't have, and really what, what their vaccines are supposed to look like, you know, in moving from childhood where your parents took care of it to the point where you're supposed to take care of it yourself, making people aware at that point could potentially help us improve. And also having it be a mandatory check really will help improve the coverage overall because it is opt out as opposed to opt in. People don't, don't likely, aren't likely to opt into things that they don't know exist. They're also not likely to opt out of things that they don't know that they have control over. So if we can make it more default, then we can really help remove some of that complacency because it just won't be a factor anymore. So uh, I think before we uh, start talking more about, I guess, the the, the solutions to um, Kenneth's under, um, under-vaccinated adults, uh, I want to talk a bit about, I guess, some, some more, uh, more about the causes. Um, a lot of what we talked about kind of alluded to what in the report referred to as the three C's. Um, so complacency, lack of confidence, uh, and lack of convenience. Um, I'm wondering if you can maybe like elaborate a bit more on those three, uh, you know, root problems as to why Canadian adults are not getting vaccinated. Certainly. Uh, well, complacency is obviously the first one, which is just even if someone knows that they should do something, they may not necessarily actually take the action to do it. And I think that we can improve there through um, convenience, 
and confidence because uh, some people may be uninformed about vaccines generally, about their benefits and their potential risks. And so it's it really can be uh, a thing where a person would choose to get vaccinated if they were properly informed or if they actually were given the information about vaccines in the way that was most likely to convince them, it may be able, it would be able to increase their confidence. And if they have confidence that the vaccine works, they're more likely to think it's something that they need. And in addition, we talk about convenience and uh, in the provinces that have expanded uh, the ability to give flu shots to pharmacists, a lot of people will through their revealed preference shows that that's what a lot of people prefer because we see a lot of people switching from getting their uh, vaccines from their doctor or a nurse to switching to the pharmacy. So that can be, be much more convenient for people as instead of potentially having to take a half day off work, book an appointment and inconvenience yourself, you may be able to get a routine vaccination on your way home from work when you grab your groceries and pick up your prescription. So that really lowers the cost on the individual of actually getting vaccinated. And so they're more likely to think that it's worthwhile if it doesn't cost them very much. So that's really the three, can, the three C's that we put this under. And really, I kind of think of them in a hierarchy where complacency is the thing that we really need to tackle. And we can tackle complacency through improving convenience and improving confidence. Uh, the report also talks about um, using the, the flu vaccination framework as sort of a, a jump off point for getting other uh, immunizations taken care of, even though the, the immunization rate for influenza is pretty low because of complacency. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think that um, yearly flu shots are a good way to make sure that everyone is getting their uh, booster shots? Well, I think that if there's complacency on other vaccines for the people that are getting their flu shot, then this would be a good place to start. Um, and another thing is that, do you remember anything your doctor told you from 10 years ago? No. <laughs> Definitely not. Do you know when or how many uh, pneumonia vaccines you're supposed to get throughout your adult life? I have no idea what my entire immunization record is. I think it's spread over several doctors, three clinics, and all over the province. It's pretty all, bad. All I know is that I got a flu shot in like December, and I don't recall the last time I got a shot. For <laughs> I, I don't, I don't recall. That I think I'm part exactly of the problem. That's exactly the point. <laughs> That's exactly the point right there. Is you don't know necessarily when you're supposed to get something. When was the last time you got a tetanus booster? You're supposed to get one every ten years. You may or may not know that, and you may or may not know when the last time you got one was. Yeah. However, you do know that you got your flu shot in December, and you also know you're supposed to get it again next year. So it's something that people are already aware, and it's also something that's regular. Mm -hmm. So if we can incorporate other vaccine boosters and also informing patients and also gathering information about the vaccines they do have at that sort of annual point, then we can start to make vaccines and having an up all of those updates and boosters and full coverage on vaccination part of the normal sort of adult health care primary care process where you sort of think well haven't been have i been to a doctor's checkup this year have i gotten my teeth cleaned and checked 
have I gotten my flu vaccine and am I up to date? Mm -hmm. So it's really just that it can make it a regular part of care as opposed to something you're supposed to remember either once in your adult life or once every decade. Right. Is, is there a way that we can put our immunization record all in one place? I pretty much lose all of my records every 10 years or so. So it'd be really helpful for me if I had some sort of tool that I could use to track my immunization record. It would probably be also useful for your doctor to know <laughs> if you have vaccines. Yeah. So I guess what I'm getting at here is, uh, are people talking about making some sort of vaccination database so pe so we can have that information and I don't get pertussis vaccine eight times? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or some other similar right, exactly. issue of inappropriate or too much care or too little care or basically just making sure that you and your doctor both know that you have the stuff you're supposed to have, which doesn't sound like it's that complicated, but in fact, it actually is very complicated. And it's, it is something that we definitely need to work towards, not just for, for influenza, but for patient records generally in yeah, primary care. Like a, a database, something like that. Yeah, and I think that one of the ways to at least start doing that through influenza is through the influenza vaccine and specifically to vaccine schedules is that whoever does administer vaccines, they can administer surveys while people are waiting in line to gather information about coverage. We can also at that point, you know, ask when we ask them, when was the last time you got a tetanus booster? And they say, oh, I don't know, when I was a kid, then that can be a point where we overcome complacency, tell people that they need that update and if if we were to expand the ability of, um, you know, say people go to their pharmacy, if we were expand to expand the scope of practice of pharmacists to be able to give some other vaccines, then it may be the case that when we they give us those answers, then the pharmacist can say, okay, well, perfect, let's give let's give you that update right now. They add it to your file, and we can at least start to build that database and work towards having that information shareable between the government, primary care physicians, actual individuals, their pharmacists, and also making sure that all of that data is secure, private, not accessible to people it shouldn't be accessible to, and all of the you know issues that go along with data privacy and security, especially for something as important as medical records. I love the idea of survey gathering when you're waiting, because every time I get a shot, they make me stay there for 10 minutes. It's really frustrating, and I want something to do in that time. Yeah. So, so, I mean, giving giving information, it's people are there to wait anyway, so they don't mind filling out a form while they're waiting, and that at least can start to give us some idea of coverage. and. Also, that will give us an idea of coverage and behavior for those people that are the least complacent. So if we aren't reaching uh, our appropriate coverage levels for the most engaged people, that being the healthcare providers themselves, then, yeah. then the next thing, if we're trying to improve coverage in the public, then what's stopping those people that really do want to get their vaccines? That what What is standing in their way? It, and if it's a lack of information or not knowing what they should get or the effectiveness of vaccines, then that, that's a point where when they tell us that, then we can start to work on the messaging. And the reason that influenza really is the one that we pick is the one the reason for that is it is every year and so this could be a yearly conversation and also it can be a yearly conversation where uh someone's healthcare provider then 
you know, reminds them of the benefits of being vaccinated and reminds them that this is something that they should think about. Because I, I think that most complacency probably stems from simply that this is supposed to be such an infrequent thing that people more or less forget about it. So maybe for the, uh, the listeners at home, uh, I'm wondering if you could, if we, you were to summarize, um, you know, a lot of the solutions that, uh, you know, we were just talking about, uh, if you could summarize them into say five points, five so, uh, recommended solutions to the problem of uh, under-vaccinated adults in Canada, what would those five points be? Well, just uh, we've we've touched on most of the points already, but just to sum it up, I would say that first things first, we need to improve vaccination rates among healthcare workers uh, because without them, we can't really expect the rest of the adult population to be doing better than their doctors on vaccination. We need to build better monitoring infrastructure so that both doctors and patients can be aware of what they have and what they need. Uh, And for part of that, I think we should expand the role of pharmacies in giving vaccinations and to make it more of a routine process. We can start to ask for proof of vaccination at key stages in adult life. One of those could be entry into post-secondary school, and that would be a key transition early in adult life that would, you know, bring awareness and also make it more of a routine and opt-out kind of a policy as opposed to an opt-in. And uh, in addition to that, we do need to work on overcoming the confidence issues in the general public, uh, those things associated with the anti-vaxxer movement, as well as uh, the way that we communicate information about the risks and benefits of vaccinations to make sure that patients truly understand the benefits of getting vaccinated. Thanks, Rosalie. I think that's a good place to leave the podcast for today. Thanks to all of our listeners. If you're interested in learning more about the report, not just for kids, how to improve adult vaccination uptake in Canada, you can visit cdhow.org. As Alex said at the top of the podcast, we'll be back with more regular episodes in the near future. So keep your eyes peeled and give us a follow on Twitter at cdhowinstitute to get all your latest policy intelligence and future podcast updates.